Welcome back to Touch Podcast. This is Ryan Clark. This is Nate Novero. And this is Shannon Etheridge. And we're joining back with the conversation we started in the last episode. This is part two. So if you're just joining us for the first time on this podcast, you probably want to back up and listen to the first part because in this part, we go back and give some clarifications with some things we said in the first. And Nathan, there's more to Nathan's story than just kissing that guy. So you're going to want to listen to this one where we kind of circle back around and flesh out some of the issues we're talking about, about faith, church, homosexuality, and being in real relationship with another person. Thanks for listening. Join us at patreon.com slash touchpodcast. You can support this podcast. Just a couple dollars a month will help us pay for things like our Zoom account and uh, SoundCloud and all the things that has to have to come together to make this podcast possible. We love our listeners. Thank you all for listening. And now here's the rest of that conversation. Well, let me just tell you why my thought went back to history rather than future. Mm-hmm. And you're going to laugh, but I have only recently discovered Doctor Who. I don't know what rock I've been hiding under that I didn't know about this. The, the remake or the original? Um, both. Oh! Both. Yeah, I, I've, yeah I, I've been in relationship with people and my son, too, who are just like fanatics. I'm like, what is the big deal about this show? But the episode that I just happened to sit down and watch, well, actually, it's two episodes that really challenged me. One was about the witch hunts of Winston, or uh, of Salem, you know, all, you know that, in that era. And I saw a lot of similarities between how witches were treated or people who were perceived to be witches and how some people treat homosexual people today. I I just saw a lot of prejudice and phobia and hatred and violence, and it was just scary to watch. Um, But the other thing, though, before I got off on that little tangent, is I saw an episode about King James, the one who you know, basically bless the transcripture, the King James of the Bible. Yeah. And how he actually had homosexual partners. And I'm like, what? Yeah. Is that, is that Hollywood doctor who producers weaving that in? Or is that because Ryan, I know that you are more of a biblical historian than I am. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's pretty, pretty much common knowledge among. Yeah. That, among scholars that he had yeah men on the down low and 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 we and, and we shouldn't um we should we we need to be also be aware that our sort of puritanical 20th century evangelical mindset about homosexuality doesn't you you can't take that back in time and assume that that's what you know, George Washington thought, and that's what King James thought, or that's even necessarily what, you know, Pope Pius the Ninth thought. It's, or Jesus. Uh, because it culturally, we, we are, we, we are in a, have been in a particular time that has particularly demonized homosexuality, but that's not true across cultures in, and in other times. You know, most other cultures had a third sex category for third sex that would be what we would understand to be probably homosexual men and it wasn't it was just another thing it was a fact of life so particularly in in 
in, on this side of the world in, in Native, Native American traditions. So I think that we, you know, not to say that it wasn't a big deal that King James had a boyfriend or two, but um, we do have to be careful about applying sort of our... Okay, so I'm gonna I'm gonna represent the you know the, the conservative Christian mindset because that's kind of the world that I've been immersed in for over fifty years. Represent, represent. So this represent. notion that we have to defend the biblical standard of one man, one woman, um, heterosexual only within marriage. Are you telling me that that is more cultural than biblical? Yeah. Yeah. Are you telling yeah. me that people are defending something that they don't even know is a is a is an evolution in our culture in and of itself? Yeah, I, I would say that's a that is a valid reading in in two thousand eighteen. What, what you just described of scripture and tradition, if that's your tradition, but you also you have to do that in spite of the fact that you know the English word homosexuality homosexual doesn't that you know, the Greek construction doesn't get added to our English Bibles until the 40s. Um, the idea of how we understand homosexuality today, uh, 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 sexual identity, gender identity, um, that none of that is in the consciousness of any biblical writer. So you don't have a situation where if in Romans you're talking about um, people leaving their spouses or in, and in... Um, and in Corinthians, leaving spouses to hook up with somebody else, like we project what we understand is um, I'm gay and I'm trying and I'm looking for a relationship and I'm dating. Like we somehow we project that back onto them when in ancient times, particularly in, in Greek and Roman societies, they, it's a specific reference to the abuse of slaves and young boys where where the gymnasia in Greek culture and in Rome of just pe- men of power being able to have sex with whoever they wanted as long as they outranked them socially and could afford to buy the person if they, you know, hurt them beyond what, what they could heal from. So, like, we don't, we don't take, we haven't taken those contexts in we haven't taken though that into consideration and when we contextualize uh, the new testament um you know old testament and new testament those writers those people they could not imagine that two men would get married and then have like really normal boring married lives and right that's just just not a thing that existed so for us to take that and make the bible apply to that we have to be real i just i'm just saying we have to be really really careful about that yeah, and I find it interesting. I think it was Nate who had said once upon a time that Jesus never used the word homosexuality in the Bible, yet that seems to be the biggest hot-button topic in church today. Like, the Methodist church is up for this big vote about whether they're going to split over homosexuality or not. Oh, it's a, it's a death nail for institutions. Because, because what we believe about homosexuality is personal, and it's always personal. It's always it's about relationship, and there's always baggage about that. Institutions can't be personal, right? They're a 
conglomeration of everybody's baggage and issues. And if you, if something that's so near and dear to everybody's heart on one side or the other, I mean, yeah, it's, it's always going to cause, it's always going to be a blow up. It's a blow up in my tradition too, in the, my Baptist tradition splitting right now as the United Methodists will over. And, over, and over, that over. was, and, and the, the Nashville statement was essentially the, the Southern Baptist. The right. Version. Yeah. Yeah. The conservative, um, wing of, of Baptist life saying, you know, drawing a line in the sand, which they have every right to do. Yeah. Can, I don't particularly. I, don't particularly yeah, I, I respect, if that's what they truly believe, I completely respect sure. Sure. that. I just, I would love to see us all respect one another's views a lot more wholeheartedly yeah. instead yeah. of, um, villainizing people who think differently than we do. Yeah. And I, I realize I got impassioned there, but I don't have, I hope is when I encounter someone, I build a relationship with them. If I feel like they're open-minded and curious and genuinely interested in me, which is what I'm going to offer them, then we can be really far apart on lots of important theological, social, political issues. Um, um, so I hope that I, I, mo- I model that what I, what I get, but of course I get a podcast, so I get to preach and jump off my soapbox for a minute. So, so what you were saying about institutions can't be personal in their approach because they're representing so many different people and so many different views. Does that kind of go along with what I used to hear my brother say a lot? You can't legislate morality because if you try to legislate morality, whose morality are you going to legislate? Right. I mean, I think you can legislate, you can create systems that are just what we generally think of as morality about sort of these micro behaviors and private behaviors. I think you just end up, societies end up getting in the weeds about the details of other people's lives and churches do this too instead of making sure that the system that orders the society is creating equal opportunity for everybody and giving enough enough chances for people to succeed and i think that's what um um you can't legislate morality, but we're, I think we have a moral obligation to legislate in a just way so that people can flourish. Um, so that people are protected, that they're basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. People's rights are protected. Their human rights are protected. Their individual rights and the communal, the community is protected, right? If you're a registered sex offender, I can look up your picture on, on the internet. That you can debate whether or not we should be able to do that, but that's an example of the community. There is a there's a justice issue that's shared by a community that has can express a kind of a right to know are we safe or not. So, right. Anyway, sexual. Nate, I can see the smoke coming out of your ears. You know, I'm just I'm I'm letting the wisdom go back and forth. I'm just like yeah, yeah. I'm just. So Nate, you kissed a guy. I kissed a guy. Da, 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 da. I'm not Did you say. like it? That's what everybody wants to know with the yeah. Katy Perry's song. So, yeah. I just so, said that. So, da, yeah, da, tell da, us. Da. What did you... Where, uh, this might have been from the previous episode, so if you're just tuning in, Nathan told a story about going to a, a mystical uh, camp in Europe where he ended up kissing another man. 
And but I think we we got we chased rabbits. We got away from it. I, I'm, we're bringing it back to it. Did you like it? Well, are, tell us about that experience. I I think I, I think I will. I think I will tell you about that experience. Um, well, I will say based on our earlier conversation about. You know things about like the the Nashville statement or the vote that's happening with the United Methodists. Some folks may not agree with this, but I'm personally thinking it's probably good for any guy to experience another dude before they vote against it. I just think <laughs> there's some hidden wisdom there. That's all, guys. Now, now <laughs> there's hidden wisdom I- there. Well, maybe you should be more specific about it. I'm getting a little bit back in youth group. How far is too far, preacher? Um, <laughs> when you say experience, <laughs> um, what do you mean? What I mean? I, I think it's just it's a matter of whatever you're wanting out of it. You know what I mean? Um, I don't know. <sighs> okay, I experienced, I experienced some French kissing and some fellatio both ways with another dude. That's as far as I went, and that that was enough for me. And from that, I came out with the wisdom that I was not incinerated by a pillar of fire. Um, and that mattered to me. For some reason, that really mattered to me. I had to truly test God's judgment by pursuing something of pleasure of my body. That I, It was like this, this curiosity that, that I had to get through. And for some reason, that little excursion was me facing God. It was me facing myself. And I'm, I was going to show up and let's say, okay, what the hell is going to happen? And what happened was I left still heterosexual, but I had a unique brotherhood with the dude I shared that experience with. And we're not even going to pursue time together again. We just kind of talked to each other. It's like, you know what? I'm glad we did that. I'm freaking proud. I don't know how I'm going to carry this information. But we had this really strong mess. And, and this wasn't a dude that's kind of like, you know, it wasn't like a metrosexual dude. It wasn't a dude who, who actually looked like a woman I didn't know. This was a, a <laughs> alpha male guy. Two, you made out with an alpha male. <laughs> well, but, but the, the, the point is, the point is, it was actually, I'm not sure if there was a point to that. Anyway, it happened. No pillar of fire came, and I actually felt closer to this guy. I didn't feel strange. I felt closer in a masculine way, not a sexual way. And I'm thinking, what the hell does that mean? I don't know. And then I started realizing I have actually had some gay dreams with guys I was exploring business ventures with. You know, like I had this pattern of like right before I explored doing a production company with someone, I remember it, I would have a gay dream about that. And then I'd, you know, afterwards I'd like, what, what does that even fit? I don't know. I, I was afraid to mention it, but now now I'm getting older and I'm understanding how how sexual energy, life energy, should play a role into everything. You know, it should go into your art. It should go into, to 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 your work and 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 how you embody your masculinity and and it should go into your ministry. Not saying you're having sex and doing all these things, but your life, your vitality, your uniqueness flows into all that. And when I'm realizing this, of course, every close, intimate relationship I'm having with another man, even though it's masculine and asexual, there's going to be a spark of ecstasy in it. And now that I've had that experience with this other dude, and I realize it didn't kind of, I realize it didn't lead me to sin or whatever, I now have a place for all those other ecstatic experiences. And it doesn't go down the sin that route either. It just goes someplace else. And I'm in the middle of that discovery. I'm not saying I'm 
looking for other experiences with men, but just the holding place to allow that to happen so that folks can discover their uniqueness. And I think Shannon said it really right. At what point did we feel like we had the authority to dictate, pe- to dictate people's path to their unique wholeness? When did that happen? I don't know. So, so it sounds as if it kind of cemented your view of yourself as heterosexual because it did something for you, but it didn't do for you what being with a woman does for you. Is that what I hear you saying? Yeah, I, I never thought about it that way, but you're right. It did. And not, not saying it, that's a fixed state. I'm not saying it's like that means I'm going to be heterosexual forever, but it gave me clarity for that moment. Okay. It gave me clarity of, of what that. Yeah, right. Can I translate that, like, ask for another clarification? Are you saying that it was fine, but you st- you would still prefer women? Like, how would you just, like, in a nutshell? Yeah, like... I was afraid to experiment with another guy because, for me, my homophobia looked like to kiss a guy, to consider another guy, I, would, I was going to become gay. And for some reason... Right, right. it's contagious. It's okay, contagious. yeah, that's where I thought you were saying. Yeah. yeah, and there's something about that still that even though I told them, hey, I love you, I'm inclusive... There's still something about me that was resistant to go down that road, you know. You're facing your own homophobia. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. Is that where you're? Yeah. Right? Yes. Yeah. So I guess what I'm I mean, saying there's, is, there's no more hardcore way to address your own homophobia than to make out with someone of the same. That's true. Before you cast a vote out of homophobia, put a lingam in your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> A lingam is a yoga word for wiener, you know, penis, ding dong, wiener, Oscar Mayer, Johnson. I'm curious, Nate, was this your first and only experience with a male? Because most men will say that they had some sort of same sexual experience as a boy. So you never had that, right? Well, actually, after I had that experience, memory unlocked in my head in which I did realize something happened in my origin sexual narrative. Yes, something happened when I was younger. And I had no idea. I never considered it. But I I could hold it now after my experience in Europe. It came up. Yeah. Was that interesting? That was an, what... As a child with another child? Y- yes. Um, yeah. It was like a, a, a kid-kid situation. Yeah. 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 When you were very young, it sounds like. Yeah, when I was very young, I, I thought that was a, a, th- a thing that didn't count. And then, you know, years later, after that experience in Europe, I was just holding things a bit different. And I was able to revisit that and kind of realize that that it, exploration started a lot earlier than I thought. And maybe maybe that was the reason that you repressed it as a young child is because you thought that if you if you actually did that consciously, then God would strike you down and you didn't want to be struck down and you didn't want to be ousted from the tribe. So you just pretended like it didn't happen. That's actually, that's a, that's a good thing you brought that up because what did happen to me uniquely and for viewers who are kind of going through this experience, to clue in here, this may be helpful. What I went through when I was young was against my will and and that's why I blotted it from my you know, you, uh, you, you mm-hmm. in the scenario and you won this time. This time it wasn't against your will. Oh, whoa. Yeah. You regained your power that you lost. I think that's what happened. Wow. Shannon Etheridge, you should, you that should lead some groups. <laughs> Boom. 
that was an important part of my journey. And wow, you, you know what's really funny? As soon as you started telling this story, like I'm, I'm tripping as I tell this story because I don't even know why I did it. It was just this curiosity. And now with this framing, what you just said, it makes sense. We, we have this pull to heal ourselves, to put ourselves in that, in that power. And we never realize that is actually a place of power if we continue to shame it. And we lose our own ability to, to heal ourselves. We lose that divine moment. Wow, Shannon. Yeah. Wow. Can we keep this in? Can we, can we play this for the whole world? Yeah. Yeah, it's fine. Are you okay with the world knowing this? No, yeah, I, I think it started off when I started talking about laying in my mouth. It's like there's no, there's no returning, turning back from there. You can't turn back. You know, it's just there. <laughs> well, you can think about it. It'll, it'll be a week before I get this edited. But you know, I think though part of the male collective, heterosexual male collective unconsciousness is this idea that I can contract homosexuality, like if I am too vulnerable or affectionate or open in my life that I can catch a case of the homos. And obviously, I mean, and the whole reason why they shut down Exodus was because, you know, after 50,000 clients, right? No one ever converted from being gay to being straight. So it's, that's not how, that's not how the thing works, but, but there is still, I think in many men's minds that, um, I might, I might catch it. And so like you, you, I mean, you, you took the cock by the balls and, uh, and, yeah. and, uh, and, and proved, proved, uh, proved it to yourself that, um, yeah, the strange thing that I'm able to do now is that, you know, um, I'm real. I've realized for me, I can't answer for everyone. I can only answer for me, but this may help you. The fear I've had for other men was actually my attraction towards them. I just thought my attraction towards them had to look like sex because that's what homophobia told me what it looked like. My attraction toward them can look like so many other things. Working with them, doing sports with them, just wrestling, building something. All of that's erotic energy, right? There's erotic energy there. So without that, without acknowledging that erotic energy, sure, we can be men and we're working right next to each other, but we may be stoic and we're not... We're not supporting each other in 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 loving ways, right? Um, but the the beauty about who we are as divine beings is we can we can still give each other. Um, two men can give each other feminine support, and it doesn't have to look like kissing. It can just look like how you feeling today. Oh, really? That sucks. Let's get back to work. That's still feminine energy, you know. And I could not do that before authentically. Yeah. Now I can. So I don't know how that fits, but yeah. that's so now something that's I can pretty, do. Wow. It's powerful stuff. I think that's pretty huge. You, you basically faced some of your biggest fears and you kind of had an internal cleansing of the spirit and your past and you know, like your worldview and your self view. And it sounds as if you're grateful for the experience because of what you've learned from it and how you've evolved as a person and very interesting how you still view yourself to be heterosexual and yet that experience taught you so much. You know, it's, I think also is because so many of us have been going on this, these journeys isolated from one another that I think I'm getting a lot of relief 
hearing you guys talk about it because now I know where my actions fit. You know? Um, yeah. Wow. Do you wow. see that this you are still loved and cherished and celebrated by us? Yeah. And there's no pillar of fire. No pillar of fire. I'm still here. <laughs> guys, you know what to do before you do your vote out of fear. You know what you got to do. <laughs> That's a little more complicated for married men, Nate. Well, they can just, it doesn't have to be a real thing. Like, get a banana, use your imagination. I mean, <laughs> or some people may not feel that need. Again, when we start prescribing that what that's works true. for us is what everybody needs to do, that's where we go awry. Everybody has their own unique journey. So you might try. You might say that. you. Oh, you could try. Or, or you could, not. You, can, you don't have, yeah, yeah. You could also order, you can order penises on online now that's like a that's a thing i was going to suggest the touch podcast uh penis thing on the patreon site you can order things but i couldn't figure it out sooner oh yes get your touch podcast um sex toys recreating scenarios and winning this time doesn't always look like acting out sometimes it looks like resisting that very gravitational pull for example just to help you feel a little less naked in the room nate uh, one of the things that I learned about myself once I got old enough to experience orgasm through masturbation, which I'm talking about like 18, 19 years old, is that my fantasies went in a female direction. I rarely ever had heterosexual fantasies, but yet I considered myself heterosexual my entire life. Like I remember getting sent to the principal's office for kissing Tom Davidson on the, on the cheek during milk break. Like I was always drawn to boys and men and, and then had numerous sexual encounters with men, but had just never had an orgasm until by myself at 18, 19 years old. But I took those fantasies into a counselor and she helped me understand that this is not that I'm drawn to women, although I find women very beautiful and, and erotic and alluring. It's that when my sister died, when I was only four years old, it robbed me of a female intimacy that I had been so accustomed to. I mean, we had slept in the same bed. We had bathed in the same tub over and over again, my whole four years of life. And then all of a sudden, boom, she's gone. So this was my way of trying to recreate a resemblance of intimacy with a female in my head so that I could feel comfortable the way that I did in my first four years of life. And because the brain's job is to compartmentalize pain long enough to make room for pleasure. But have I ever felt the need to go out and find a woman to experiment with? No, I haven't. And I'm not saying that like that was wrong of you and right of me. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying that some people feel the need to actually act it out and experiment with it because that's how they're going to learn. Whereas other people, they may not feel the need to act it out at all. And they can still learn something really important about themselves. It's all part of the sexual journey, whether it's in the fantasy realm or the action realm or whatever it is. Sexuality is just a really fascinating thing to study about ourselves and other people. I dig that. Thank you for sharing that. Because like it's um, that um, there's a welcoming to that. The way you framed that, there was a... Um, you made that struggle close to home, and I don't even you. I don't even want to use the word struggle. The curiosity. It's a cur It's a curiosity in most people if they admit it. Yeah. And I think that the people who are so vehemently opposed 
that they would even consider such a notion are probably the ones who struggle with it the most and are just trying desperately to hide it. Yeah. Yeah. Would you agree? Yeah, I, I, I would. And I, I'm still like, I'm still, my, my, my mind is still reeling from the, what you helped me land today. My little mini Shannon Etheridge session that happened today. <laughs> uh, so my, my mind is still reeling from that. Uh, but I mean, it supports what you're saying. So it's fascinating. Thanks. Do you have something to add, Dr. Ryan Clark, Dr. Reverend Ryan Clark? Thanks for oh. giving us an opportunity to veer off of the agenda, Ryan, because I know that we had come into this call today, like with a set agenda with all these other interviews, and we wound up yeah. going, let's just throw yeah. that out and go down this path. We've got, we've got two episodes right there. <laughs> wow. <laughs> well, this was a fun day. Um, thanks, everyone, for hanging out and listening to Touch Podcast. Um, let's see. Thank you for listening to Touch Podcast. Uh, you can find out more about Touch Podcast, watch videos, uh, read blogs, and other reflections. Listen to episodes from Season 1 of Touch Podcast at touchpodcast.com. Subscribe on Stitcher, Google Play, iTunes, or wherever you get your podcasts. Don't forget to tell your friends. Don't forget to connect with us on social media, on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, touch underscore cast. This has been Touch Podcast. I'm Nate Novero. I'm Ryan Clark. And I am Shannon Etheridge, and we love you for listening. That sounds juicy.